Good morning, Lakeside. So good to see you here this morning. Such a wonderful story that we got to see this morning, huh? I just want to take a moment and wish everyone a happy Father's Day to all of our dads out there. Uh, it's not easy being a dad. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes. But I just want to encourage you to, to keep praying and keep fighting for your, for your kids. Keep fighting and keep praying for your family. Even when times get tough, don't stop. And when times are easy, I want to encourage you, don't let your guard down. It doesn't matter if you have kids that are young or kids that have grown and have kids of their own. Now you're a grandparent. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop giving everything of yourself. Because the famous, most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him wouldn't die but have eternal life. The Father gave of Himself. He gave of all of Himself through the sacrifice of Jesus so that we could be redeemed. So as fathers, we should fashion ourselves after the Father and conduct ourselves in a way that is like Him. Because if we don't fight for our kids, if we don't fight for our family, if we don't teach them and guide them and lead them, then who will? So happy Father's Day and keep up the good work, dads. So I just want to welcome all of you who are joining us this morning. I also want to welcome those that are joining us from the, uh, our living room campus. Welcome. Thank you that you're, that you're here. So we're continuing this morning with a series, How to Live Your Life. And the last couple of weeks, we spent some time uh, diving into to James chapter 1. And this morning, we're going to be starting in James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13. So if you have your Bibles or your tablets or your smartphones or your desktops or your satellites or whatever you have, please join in with us as we, as we go in to James chapter 2. And you can follow, us along, follow along with us. Starting in verse 1, it says, My brothers... Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. If you've ever seen the show Undercover Boss, the, the boss, CEO, or somebody high up in the company will go undercover, and they will go at, as a new hire at ground level, um, well, undercover. And what happens is what, what we see in a lot of episodes is that a handful of people majority of the people that they work with are genuinely really nice and respectful to them, to the customers. And what happens in the end is they usually get, you know, there's tearful hugs and everything else. There's big surprises. But they usually will get, you know, a promotion or they'll get paid childcare or they'll get paid to go to school, whatever it is. But there's always the select few, which is like, I guess, the reason why they would go undercover is to... Clean out the trash, I guess. But there's always that one person, and it's kind of a cringe moment when you're watching because you know who the undercover boss is, and then you see this person treat the undercover boss just horribly, or they will, uh, they will treat the customers bad. And what happens is they end up getting fired, and sometimes they might even get fined for costing the company money. So... That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is different people and, and judging them according to how they look. So James admonishes us to not show favoritism. And favoritism or partiality in this translation is, is basically showing respect for one party but being hateful or disrespectful to another party entirely. And this issue, uh, it, it's, 
of partiality is, is an issue that's been going on for a long time. And it seems to only be getting worse. Honestly, not so long ago in our country, restaurants and water fountains and restrooms, all this was segregated based on the color of your skin. We're called to love in such a way and to conduct ourselves in such a way that is radical, that is shocking to the unbeliever. It's a love that causes people to turn to God. It's a love that causes people to reflect on themselves. But the problem is, is that if we claim to love God, and we say, oh yeah, we, we love as God does, and yet we're hating on people, then we're marked as liars and frauds to the unbeliever. And that's another problem that we, that we come across. So we're going to be diving in, diving in and we're going to look at some of the, the ways that James talks about showing partiality. So we can look in, in verses 2 through 4. It says this. It says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, James was a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And so what he's describing here is something that he would have seen firsthand. He would have seen this happening in the churches. And he describes to us three distinct ways or methods of favoritism, or as it says, partiality. And it's showing special attention, discrimination, and judging. Now, it's, it's very easy to automatically judge somebody based on the way they look. Maybe it's the car that they drive. Maybe it's the house that they live in. Maybe it's the way that they walk or the way that they talk. Maybe it's their hair color or length of hair, lack of hair. I don't know, but be warned. Be warned. Don't make fun of bald people. Okay, there's a story about a prophet who was bald, and a youth group came along, made fun of him, and he called she-bears out, and they ate the youth group. So don't, don't make fun of bald people. Just saying. <laughs> so maybe it's the way they walk or the way they talk. Maybe it's because they have tattoos or piercings. I mean, people with tattoos, right? Yeah. So, I know. So there's a couple of different times that are very memorable to, memorable to me when I was at a convenience store. I mean, it's something that we do every week, whether it's getting gas, getting a drink, it, it doesn't matter. Um, but I remember I was at a grocery store one time, and I was just dressed in regular clothing, but I basically looked like this, and I'm standing in line, just kind of dazed, looking out the window, and there's a child in front of me. He was probably 11 or 12, and the, the problem with my face is, <laughs> is that if I'm not laughing, it, you know, my face is just, I'm still happy. It doesn't look like it. <laughs> That's just the way that God made me. I'm sorry. But, so I'm standing there, I guess, looking like that. And this kid turns around. He's like, and he just has this freaked out look on his face. And it kind of caught my attention. So I looked at him and just, hey, gave him a nod. <laughs> and he just, I thought he was going to start sweating and run away. And I was like, goodness. Like he thought I was going to follow him home and break his knees or something. I mean, 
But on another time, I was dressed completely different. Um, hair still looked the same, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, I did not have a beard. I had just a simple goatee because they wouldn't let me have a beard. And I was working for uh, the sheriff's office. And so I was a correctional officer, and I was a supervisor, so I had my sergeant stripes on, a nice shiny gold badge. I had my, my duty belt. You could see the cuffs and all the little gadgets, or I'd like to make pretend like it was a bunch of gadgets. Um, just a flashlight and a, a knife. <laughs> but people in there were very chatty. They were very happy to see me. I did not know them. They did not know me. But they were very comfortable and at ease. Same person as the person with the kid just looked different, and yet I got two different reactions. And so that's kind of what, what James is talking about here. What would happen if that was to happen, what he's talking about with the rich man and the poor man? What would happen if that happened in our church today? What would that look like? I can tell you it would look utterly ridiculous. So just trek with me. Imagine this. A Rolls Royce pulls up. We roll out a red carpet. We don't have a red carpet, but we would find one. We roll out a red carpet through one of the double doors, and a person pops out with a cane and a top hat. I don't know why, but he does. And we escort him ever so gently down to well, wherever the best seat in the house would be. That's kind of personal preference. We're not all sitting in the same seat. I think the best seat would be right here on the, the drums, personally. But we would show him to the best seat. We would take one drink, one of every drink that we have, and we would offer it to him and wait on him. And you, I mean, you kind of get the point. It's just, it would be just a show, and it would be a little stupid. Uh, and then you have a poor man that comes in. He's dressed in rags, probably stinks. And we say to him, well, you can sit down on the floor in the bathroom. And good luck getting to hear the service. Because all they would hear, honestly, is the Lakeside Kids Worship, which is usually loud. And those of you who sit over here can sometimes hear that wall vibrating. It's great. I love it. So that's kind of what he's talking about. Of course, in modern culture, again, it looks ridiculous. But we still do it, even though we don't know it. So look with me at verses 5 through 7. He says, Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And being poor in spirit doesn't mean giving away and selling all of your possessions and becoming a beggar. That's, that's not what he's talking about. But Jesus also said that it's, Pretty tough for a rich man to get into heaven. Not impossible, but pretty difficult. Because the poor understand what it means to need. The rich don't understand that. They can go out and they can buy whatever they want to an extent. But the poor understand the concept and that feeling of need. And being poor in spirit simply means that we understand and we recognize our need of God in our lives. We recognize that we have nothing of worth to offer the creator of the universe. We recognize that we need a savior and we recognize that we can't do anything of our own power 
except through God's power and his, and his grace. So in the church during James's time, a rich man who would enter their church, the congregation or the, uh, the laymen of the church would, would see this rich person as, well, they would see dollar signs in their eyes, basically. They would see him as just a big walking money bag that would give huge contributions to the church. And they're like, okay, yeah, we'll get a lot of money. We'll treat him well, and we'll use that to help the poor. But their hearts were in the wrong place. They were dishonoring the poor man and trying to honor the rich man just to get a bunch of financial gains. And what James is trying to get at here is that the rich, by the natural order of things, look down on those who are in a lower social class. And when I say rich, I'm talking like ridiculous, stupid rich and golden floors in your bathroom. I mean... That kind of rich. <laughs> so if you have money, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> so, but the, the rich in this case are, are full of greed, and they're so full of greed that they would even go so far as to take people to court just for something petty, just to get an extra penny. So look with me at, at verses 8 through 9. It says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as, transgress- as transgressors. When the religious, religious leaders try to trick Jesus, they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the entire law hangs on these two commandments. So if we show partiality, if we show favoritism, if we love one person but hate the other person, that's not love, and that's not loving authentically like we're supposed to. That's not loving as Christ does. If we say, yes, I love God, but you're hating somebody, then you don't love God because God is love. And it's clear in Scripture. I'm not saying that we have to be best friends with everybody. I'm not saying go out there and be best buds with every single person out there because guess what? That's impossible and tiring and exhausting. I wouldn't want to do it. That's why I'm not friends with anybody. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, It's healthy. It's okay to put up boundaries uh, between you and somebody else or you and another party if it's done with the right spirit. I'm not saying you can't be and you can't put up boundaries but when there is judgment and there is partiality of someone and you treat them horrible just because of a difference or because they don't conduct their lives like you do, then we have an issue. And it's wrong and it's showing favoritism. So James goes on to talk about that and he's talking about more into the law. And he says this, In verses 10 through 11, he says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So in the Ten Commandments, we know that you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Both of those are in there. But it's saying, James is telling us that if you break one, 
You're breaking all of them. And it goes beyond the Ten Commandments, the law. It's, it's huge. And if you break one, you're guilty of all of it. And so oftentimes, we like to, and we're really good at, justifying our sins by comparing them to someone else's sin. Um, let, me ask, let me ask you this. Let's say you have a pair of washcloths. These washcloths are used typically to clean your face. One washcloth you use to wipe your hands after you got done working on the car, so there's muck and grease and all kinds of nasty stains all over it. The other rag you use to clean up after your dog had a very nasty accident in the living room floor, and there's a very distinguishable stain on it. So my question is this. Which rag do you wipe your face with? Now, this is not a would you rather, so please don't select one. That's nasty. <laughs> because the answer is neither. None, don't pick any of them. They're both filthy. They are both disgusting. And they're both stained. And the only way that those rags can be clean is by going through a very thorough washing cycle with stain remover and just, you know, everything. And what's great, though, is the rags will come out clean. Now, even though they're clean, you know exactly where they used to be. You know exactly what they were stained with, and yet you'll still use them to wash your face because you, you know that they're clean. That's kind of how God treats us. We were once stained and disgusting. Our lives were very messed up, and yet God loves us. He knows where we used to be. He knows the problems that we used to go through and the, and the stupid decisions that we used to make. And yet, God's grace. He still loves us. And it happens, though, with the, the, with the rag. You have one rag or you have this rag. Which one is worse? And we compare our sin to someone else's sin, thinking that somehow we're justified or because it makes us feel better. Like, in my opinion, I would think, well, if I had to wipe my face, I guess it would be the grease because it's just, it's just oil and stuff. It's fine. And that's kind of how we, how we think. We think that, okay, well, you know, this, I'm not as bad as this person, so I'm just going to treat them like trash. So the Bible says that our, our righteous acts are like filthy rags and that we can't justify ourselves. God is our righteousness. And we have to stop focusing on whose sin is worse than whose. Because when we do that, we get sucked into a trap of accepting someone solely based on if they sinned or if they really sinned, right? And we treat them accordingly. So what causes someone to show favoritism? The simple presentation of a story on the news will cause us to show empathy for a party. Or we get ready to pick up stones and throw them at somebody else just based on social views. And oftentimes, um, when we see someone who is convicted of heinous crime, we instantly judge them and think to ourselves, man, they are getting everything they deserve. And I will tell you firsthand, I am guilty of it. <laughs> I mean, I worked in a jail. But it also opened my eyes to something, and I realized that well, not everybody that goes to jail is a bad person. I get it. So we begin to, to judge people based on their actions, and we think, well, I didn't go on a killing spree. 
So I'm good. But God's standards and man's standards, standards, they're not quite the same. We have different levels of misdemeanors, different levels of, of felonies based on the nature of the crime. Uh, and sometimes we'll explain ourselves and we'll say something along the lines of like, well, yeah, okay, I lied, but that person killed somebody. Or it's okay, there's no harm in looking. It's not like I'm actually going to cheat on my spouse. It's all the same. When we speak the truth into people's lives, what happens is, is there is a, a light that drives out darkness. When we do it right, if, if we, because there's so many, many times we can call out somebody's sin and we do it the wrong way. <laughs> it's like the, uh, the funny um, memes you see of the ant at Thanksgiving saying, well, where were you and all this, like very judgmental. So if we're going to do it, we have to do it with love. We have to speak the truth in love. So when that happens, when we call out somebody's sin, we, we're driving out darkness. And there's usually going to be a backlash when that happens. There's going to be, uh, the person is going to get very defensive, maybe because of shame, and they'll be like, oh, well, only God can judge me, or what's it to you? Sin is sin, you know, whatever. And the fact of that, sin is sin, is that, well, it's not. It's not all the same. Jesus told Pilate, he said, you only have what authority is is given you. And the party that gave me over to you has the greater sin. So we know that there's different levels and different degrees of sin. And don't get me wrong, all sin is grievous before God, and it's, it's deserving of death. But Scripture distinguishes between degrees of sin and that not all sin is equal and that there's different consequences, different effects. Now, we know that God is holy. We know that God is just. And even though sin is deserving of death, we know that Jesus paid that price for us. But only justification comes from God. We can't justify ourselves by throwing hatred and resentment on someone else and judgment based on what they've done versus what we've done. So let's look at these final verses. 12 and 13, it says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We have created a plethora of levels of severity when it comes to sin. We hear stories all the time about something heinous happening to, uh, to someone in the news and we see uncovered affairs. We see statements of disbelief from people. There's people that I've seen, um, you know, that have a famous name in the church that have completely turned away from God and they've claimed that God isn't real or whatever their statement is, and it's sad and it's heartbreaking. And little by little, we watch the world around us crumble, and we think they're so messed up, they're going to get all the fire and teeth gnashing that is coming to them for turning against God, and we're okay because this week we checked off the box that says go to church. We may not do that, but there's people that do that. 
Um, we can't judge people based on the way that they look or because they conduct their lives differently. The other day, Tara, Tara and I were in the store, and usually I'm the person that will point out something like this because I don't like a good laugh. But it was Tara this time, <laughs> and we see this man in the store walking by us. And if that man just so happens to be watching us online, Jesus loves you. There's no judgment, no judgment at all. But this man in one hand was carrying a very massive case of beer. And in the other, he was carrying a couple boxes of Kleenex. And Tara was like, well, we know what he's going to go home and do. He's going to go home and get drunk and cry. <laughs> it's probably not the case. But I thought it was very entertaining. And it, it's something that is so easy and, and something that's so light and funny and entertaining to, to see and, and say. Um, but the issue is, is when we get carried away and we distinguish between we see more serious sins and instead of loving on that person and showing grace and, and mercy, we tend to shun them or resent them or in our hearts, maybe not say it out loud, but in our hearts, hate them. And we, t- we pray and we thank God for His mercy, but when there's mercy that needs to be given, usually it's in short supply and we don't give any. We're quick to receive grace, but we're, it's hard for us to give out grace. And it's all based on the way that people look, the way people dress. So what do we do with all this? It's very simple. As, as Christ followers, we are to conduct ourselves as Christ does. And we're supposed to love and love authentically. And by loving authentically, we love as Christ does. Without favoritism, without partiality. And here's the truth. The entire world is full of a bunch of different people. There's different people that have different backgrounds, different ethnicities. There are different life struggles There's different sizes, different colors, lots of differences. But there's one thing, actually two things, that connects all of us, regardless of all the differences. And one, it's that we're all human. Regardless of everything else, we're human. And the second thing is this. When Jesus died on the cross, He didn't die just for my sin. He didn't die just for your sin. He died for the sin of the world. He willingly gave up His life. And He loved so radically. And He thought that I was worth dying for. And He thought that you were worth dying for. And He thought the entire world was worth dying for, even though... He knew that more people would reject him than those would receive him. And yet, still he died. So with that, who are we then to show hate and resentment and to show favoritism to somebody if every single person was worth Christ dying for? 
So Father, I ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would search us, search our minds, search our hearts, God. And if there's any ways that we have offended you, God, if there's ways that we have showed favoritism, if there's ways that we have hated people, if there's roots of bitterness in our lives, Lord, I ask that your spirit would just show them to us, that you would reveal to us the mistakes that we made, Lord, and how to correct them. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed yourself for us and that you love us so much. I ask that you would help us to show that same kind of love to everyone we meet. It doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. Help us to show your love to them regardless of anything. To put aside favoritism, to put aside feelings of resentment, to put aside bitterness, and to love authentically, God. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.